Thank you, worship team. Awesome. I love that. Everything was just amazing up here, except, of course, uh, Andrew's eagle's hat, which, which is not quite sac- sacrilegious, but maybe is. He's, he gave me a hard time because, you know, I'm, I live in Tampa. I pastor in Tampa, so I root for Tampa. But Dallas was bred in the bone. So don't, don't hate me. I know a lot of people like to hate the Dallas Cowboys. But uh, I was, uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Sounds like a spirit coming out of you there. We're going to cast that out. But uh, are we throwing things now? I don't think it's that bad. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> uh, but that's fun. The NFL is fun. And, um, you know, my family, we're in, the, in this uh, uh, fantasy league. And uh, I'm winning at that. <laughs> yeah, I win at fantasy. That's about it. <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's but uh, and and all those all those all those things are fun. But it's just amazing because you see what this is. It's about doing life together, and it's important. And you know what? That's what church is. Church is doing life together, and sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really really difficult. Sometimes it's just so much fun. You're just laughing and just, but see, that's what, that's what the body of Christ is. That's what church is. I, I loved, uh, I read this study, and this might sound silly to you, but I, I, I saw this study that someone <clears throat> took an individual, a gentleman, who was standing on the sidewalk in a city, and he was, and they had him look up and even point every now and then, and they wanted to see who would come by and look up too? And what they found is very few. Very few. Thought he was weird. Thought I was on drugs. <laughs> thought he wanted money. Thought I was, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. They just, they didn't, they just, most, most people, there's some that just sort of glanced up like, okay. <laughs> uh, but then they did another test where they took 15 people, children, women, men, and just put them in a sort of in a large area on the sidewalk and every one of them were looking up. And then they said, they see, okay, now when people come by, and to their amazement, 100%, every single person for up to an hour that walked by stopped and looked up or walked and looked up, you know, or something. Of course, you know, you think, oh, well, duh, with 9-11 and everything going on, you know, that's, that's not so surprising, which I don't know is... Uh, is, is a good thing that, you know, we, we think of that or fear that. But this is, this is what got me. This in that study is maybe as simple or as obvious as it might be. What, what, what struck me is that when there was more than one pointing and looking up, <laughs> then other people began to look up. And I think that's a key, and that's something I want us to grab a hold of, and that really is understanding the heart of what I want to talk about this morning is that when we're looking up together, when there's just maybe one of us, if you think... As a pastor, as your pastor, I'm the only one here pointing and looking up, then that's not going to really make a difference. That's not going to change a community. That's not going to change a world. No matter what I say, no matter how much I go, look, somebody, look how great that is. It doesn't matter. But when we all do it together, come on, listen to me. When we're all of a sudden we're looking together and we're saying, yeah, look, look with that. Look what God did in my life. Look, look how God changed me. Look, look at this and, and look at God's working on me or I'm really struggling. But, and we all start pointing up together. That changes a world. 
And that's what the early church found out. That's what the early church began to understand. When we work together, when we love together, that changes everything. Now, we live in, a, in, a, in an amazing time where we have such technology and such blessing, and yet there is such fear everywhere. Fear everywhere that when we look up, for most people, they're wondering about what, you know, what, 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 what just plane hit what building. What causes you to look up? And just stop for a minute. Just think, what causes you to look up? When you're hurting, when you're struggling, when your family's going awry, when work is just a disaster, when your employees are all walking out and saying you're a crummy manager or whatever it is, what makes you look up? When you're sick? When other, someone around you is sick? What makes you look up and say, God, I need you? We, we look up for all kinds of reasons. You're in failure, you're in sickness, in our own sin sometimes. We look up. I love the scripture. Uh, Jesus is talking about the end time, so you got you to catch that. But I think it's relevant to what he's trying to tell us this morning. In Luke chapter 21, in verse 28, it says this. When these things begin to take place, when everything begins to go wrong, when everything it's intensified when their persecution is there. Whatever it is, when these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads. Look up. Literally, it's what it means. Look up. Because your redemption is drawing near. Now, that is just a foundation scripture that we can build on for the rest of the morning. <laughs> because I love the way that Jesus said, when things are the worst, when everything seems to be falling apart, your redemption is nigh. Wow, Jesus took hope, he took redemption, took a, a restoration and paired it with the worst time. And so it is true with us. When we feel we're hurting the most, when we're broken the most, when we're weak at our weakest moment, your redemption is right there. Only God can do that. Only God has the, the power to do that. I, you know, I grew up and it's an old saying and I don't know if we even use it anymore, so that but I, I heard it a lot that when I was growing up about you, someone could become so heavenly minded and no earthly good. And I decided that's just wrong. Because if you're looking up, if you're heavenly minded, if, you, if you're focused on what's up there, then you're going to be uh, incredibly productive in the earthly life. And that's a disconnect. And that's where sometimes people look at it. At, at, Christians or those that call them Christians and call them hypocrites or whatever is because they see that disconnect. But we should be so heavenly minded that we touch the lives continually of people around us and, and, and making a difference. This morning I want to talk about kingdom view. What's your kingdom view? Because it will make a difference on whether you're going to grow and become stronger in the things of God. What is your kingdom view? How do you see God and the kingdom around you? Now, kingdom of God is a, is a huge idea. And so I began a series last week, and I didn't know it. You know, sometimes God just does stuff. <laughs> but I began to talk about in Luke chapter 17, talked about the fear of the Lord. Remember the, uh, the ten men with leprosy and how one came back, and that was about a authority and understanding what God's doing. And that, that <clears throat> the, the key to growth, your key to growth, is understanding the fear of God. I don't have time to re-preach that. It's on the, uh, the, the, our website, the video, you can watch it. You can watch the whole, whole service. You can watch just that sermon. And all my notes are there, too. I don't know if I, you know, I do that, but I post all of my notes, abbreviated notes, so you can even follow now and see what the scriptures are. 
make it as easy as I can to say, God, pour this into people's life. But it's the fear of God, okay? So that's the first foundation. If, if you don't have the fear of God, if you can live your life and say, I'm a Christian and live like you want, you're not living in the fear of God. And the fear of God is, is, is not being afraid, remember, it's the awe and respect. That's the first key. And then as I began to study, I realized, oh, my goodness, it's all there. So we're going to follow chapter 17 and, and, uh, for this week and, and the next couple of weeks. And as, and as we do that and follow through this, we'll be able to see these keys. Now, um, it's important that we, you know, if, if, if you have one key, then you know what to do with it. But I'm always hesitant about giving a bunch of keys because then you say, well, which key? <laughs> do we have this key or this key, you know? But the point out of all of this is to understand that God is speaking to us. I believe God wants us to grow. I, want, I believe God wants us to become stronger in everything God's saying and God's doing in our life. And that, the only way that's going to happen is we understand how to live in the fear of God and then how to live in the kingdom of God. Literally, how to have that kingdom view. Because that makes all the difference in the world. So let's go on. We'll, we'll continue in Luke 17. And let me just, this is the opening I just want to focus on. It says, once on being asked by the Pharisees. When the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied. So they said, when is all this going to happen? Jesus said, and said, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed or seen like you're looking. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. You know, you know what Jesus did. You see, they were asking the right question. But they just came to the wrong conclusion. <laughs> they said, when is this? When is it going to start? When is it? And Jesus goes, uh, hello. <laughs> How could you be teachers of God's word <laughs> and, and not know that it's already here? that it's right here among you, that it's right in this place. It's right here, right now. It is now. And that's the first thing we need to understand. Our kingdom view, must, uh, we must see the now kingdom of God. You have to believe God is working now in your life, that God is doing it now, that God is touching your heart now, that it's not going to be said, one day, God, you're going to do this, and one day you're going to change this, and one day you're going to turn this around. No, he's already doing it. It's important that we understand that. Now, if we just step back a minute, the kingdom of God is just a huge theological concept because the kingdom of God was created when God created the earth, <laughs> when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden. You know what he created? That's the kingdom of God. That's how they were supposed to live. Of course, it didn't take as long to screw that up. You know, someone was saying, that Adam, oh, I can't believe he screwed it up. Well, if it wasn't going to be Adam, it was going, it was going to be uh, Cain or Abel or Seth. And if it wasn't any of them, it was going to be Noah. And if it wasn't any of them, it was going to be you. Because that's what we do. Because on our own, we cannot live this. On our own, we can't do this. It's always about what God is doing in our life. So there was a, there's a continuity, and then it came to this amazing climax with Jesus Christ himself coming and showing us how to live. Now, that's key. That's important to understand. You see, you'll notice that Jesus, he had a favorite saying. He always called him the Son of Man. He called himself the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the Son of Man. You're thinking, why did he do that? See, he, he, his miracles pointed and proved to his divinity, but he was much more concerned about them understanding his humanity, about you and I understanding our humanity. Because Jesus said, I'm going to live as a man and show you how you can. That's the whole gospel. 
He died for us. He now lives in us so that we can live like him, that we can be fully human with the, the spirit of God inside of us and understanding what God is trying to do. So it's important that we understand how do we look up? How is God moving inside of us? Jesus goes on with the rest of that and then talks about the end times. He talks about things that are going to come. But he always points to that redemption because that's what God does. He always points back and says, there is safety here. God is going to do something. I love this, the, the story that, historical story that hardly anybody knows. And after the, uh, when Jesus was, was talking about end times and things, he said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded, run. Run to the hills. So Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. The church was growing. The church was going. And all of a sudden, in 68 AD, the Romans came and surrounded Jerusalem. And something must have jumped in every Christian's heart. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. This sounds familiar. <laughs> what, what, what picture is it out there? And all of a sudden, they remembered, and I believe directed by the Holy Spirit to say, this is when you run. He said, why, why are Christians running? Sometimes you need to run. I don't know, that's just your pastor talking. Sometimes you need to just stand and trust God. This is where Jesus said, you are to run. Jesus was, was, saw the continuity of everything that is the kingdom of God is and said, you need to go. And so it's called the Flight to Pella because that's the name of the city that was just outside of Jerusalem a little bit, that all the Christians that were in Jerusalem, every one of them at that time, the gospel had already decided to uh, been spread out, and then Paul was preaching everything. But at that time, they, all the Christians left Jerusalem. And so when the temple was destroyed, when Jerusalem was destroyed, when everything was torn down, and, and there was, it, was, it was a slaughter, actually. There wasn't a Christian there because God kept them. Not a single one. They'd all moved to Pella. <laughs> uh, now, I love that story I, because it talks about God's protection and God being with us and God guiding us and leading us. But for me, you know, the story doesn't end there. Because in, in, in uh, 1845, 800 Dutch Christians fled Europe under persecution. And they came to America to be set free. And they traveled to the middle of our country and established a city in Iowa, of all places. Who would go to Iowa? I don't know. But my brother loves, lives there, and so, you know, it must be a good place. So they go, they go to Iowa, and they establish a city that's called, and they named it, Pella, because it was a sign of the freedom from that God kept them, that God was with them, that God would, would uh, keep them safe. A few years later, 1925, as irony has it, a man started a company and called it Pella Windows. And all over America right now, people are looking out of Pella Windows, looking up at, at the sky. And there's, I just think there's just some kind of irony in that, that God is saying, I'm always going to keep you. I'm always going to be there for you. You can trust me. The kingdom of God is now. God is moving now. And often what we, we, the reason we have a problem with our now is because we think God's not here. God's not helping. God's not moving. And God is moving in your life right now. God is doing something in your life. And if you don't believe that God, the kingdom of God, is in your life right now, then you're going to miss how do we grow in God. 
And you're going to go back around and that loop over and over and over again. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You fall all that same sin, that same fear, that same doubt, that same thing. And because you don't believe God's working right now and he's moving. It's, uh, you see, we think history is always a cycle, always repeating. But it has a beginning. It had this incredible climax in Christ and it will have an end. That's our history. And we're a part of all of that in the kingdom of God moving. But God is always there. God is going to keep us no matter what we see. No matter what. You know, it's really interesting. People ask me when I talk about, hey, the kingdom of God is here now. They say, well, why did Jesus say that we're to pray, thy kingdom come? Is it not come? Or has it come? Why do we pray and it's to come if it hasn't come? And the answer to that is yes. (laughs) Because we pray, Jesus taught Pray for the kingdom to come. The kingdom is here. It is here right now. It is, it, is, it is the life that we have as a body of Christ. But I believe God always has more, you see? And that when we pray, thy kingdom come, that means, Father, more of your will, more of your life in me right here, right now, moving, doing. I, I thought of a sort of silly little story when I was watching all the rescuing going on down at Hurricane Ian, and, and uh, our church just really stepped up and gave to that, and I really appreciate that, but I think it's important we keep remembering them and praying for them and asking God to still help them and all the years and years of rebuilding that's going to go on, but I remembered this story about a, a, a hurricane flood, and there was a man on top of a house, and he was there, and uh, he was all alone, and this guy came up in this rowboat. He was all rickety, and he was barely floating a rescue guy, and, and he looks up and he says, there's no way I'm going to get up there. There's no way I can climb up there. There's no way I can rescue this guy. He, he can't jump down in the water. We don't know what's down here like that. So the, the rescuer in the rowboat said, I'll be back. And, the, and the, <laughs> the guy on the roof said, well, I'll be here waiting. <laughs> so I'll, I'll wait for you. So he goes away, and it's been a while, but eventually the rescuer is able to get a helicopter and flies right over the house. And lowers down one of those catch one of those baskets and say, "Hey, we're here." And of course, the guy says, "No, no, no, no! I got to wait for the. There's a guy coming in a boat that's going to help me, going to rescue me." And as silly as that is, it is a bizarre as that is. Do you realize that sometimes that's how we live? We do the same thing when we say, "When we say, no, I'm expecting a little boat. I'm expecting a little thing." And God said, "I'm going to send a helicopter. <laughs> I'm going to carry you. I will, you're going to fly out of this disaster. I'm going to take it." And do we believe that God is able to move in our life right now? Do we believe God is able to touch our lives and our families and and heal our children and change our work situation and change our finances? And do we believe God is now? Do we believe the kingdom of God is now? That's what this is about. What's your view? Do you see the kingdom of God is now God somehow, man, this is really hard, but somehow you're going to work this, somehow you're going to do this. Or you have a different kind of view. You see, it's important to understand our view is the kingdom of God is now, but it's also critical to understand that the kingdom view, our kingdom view that we must have is a kingdom view of the, uh, the kingdom of God's power in our lives. There is power. There is authority. That is beyond what we can uh, even understand. And, and if you don't, if you're not willing to understand the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will not grow. You will not grow. 
Because we see that in the early church. We see that in every aspect of the teaching in the New Testament, how when they relied on and trusted on the power of God, then it changed everything. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. It just says it so well. It says, for the kingdom of God, Paul's talking to the church, the church at Corinth, which is under some serious persecution, and it's, they're messed up, and they're fighting, and it's oh, just like, it, it, they, they think they're, they're spiritual kings and queens, and they're just living in poverty spiritually. And this is what Paul says. He says, you know, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's not just about what we say, but it's a power. It's a power. In our kingdom, if we're going to change the world around us, if we're going to change the community, has to be the power of the Holy Spirit moving through us. has to be the power that changes circumstances and situations around us. You see, in this particular case, there had been some heretics that came into the church, and they were starting to say, no, I don't believe what Paul's saying. In fact, Paul's a joke. Paul, Paul doesn't care about you. Paul bought this, and they're saying awful things about Paul, just terrible things, slandering him right, right and left. And, you know, Paul goes on in, in uh, Corinthians, and when he's writing this letter, he says, they slander me, but we return that slander with kindness. That's the power to live. That's the power that we need to have. The power is not in that, that just around us. It's not about power to make everything right, <laughs> to make things right. It's about the power for us to live right, to be right, to think right, to think in the way that God wants us to think. That's the power that God has for us. That's the power. That's why it can't be just talking. People that just talk and don't live it have no power. They have a form of gospel, but they deny the power. Why? Because they deny the change. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to talk this way. I'm not going to give in to that sin. I'm not going to go this way. I'm not going to respond this way. I'm going to trust God. That's the power that Paul is talking about. I have, I've been slandered. <laughs> They're coming against my church that I planted, that I poured into, that I love these people. They're saying awful things about me. But I'm going to respond in the power of God. I'm going to respond in kindness, how I treat people, how I respond to people, how I trust God. It's so important to understand. Luke 17, 33, I want you to look at that verse. It says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. Now, this is in that same chapter that we're talking about. So he goes on and talks about the kingdom is now. And then he says, and the kingdom is now, and it's going to come. <laughs> See, he does both. <laughs> Just like he taught us in the prayer. It's going to come. And when it comes, who's it going to come for? Who's it going to touch? Who's it going to touch? Only those that have given up this life and have trusted his life. Because if you cling to this life, if you hold on to this life, if you think, I want these things, I want this life, God, I love you, I love the church, I really love Pastor Greg because he's just amazing. Man, when you got to draw it out yourself, you just know you're in a bad spot. God will help my insecurities. Okay, the timing here, we got to work on that. Here, here, here's the point. When, when you're not trusting God for what, everything he can do, and we're easily attached to this world. I'm telling you people, if there's something as a church of Jesus Christ in America, in Tampa, in Core Church, 
that we struggle with is the draw and the attachment of the world. It has such a lure. It has such a pull on us. So Jesus was talking about the end times and says, you know what? You know how to keep a good view? You know how to keep a kingdom view? You know how to do that? Make sure you've already given up your life that doesn't have a hold on you. Then you know what he says right after that? One of our famous quotes people know, but they don't understand the context of why he said it. He said, remember Lot's wife. What's that about? (laughs) Don't get salty with me. I don't know. (laughs) You know, what, 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 what is it? You see, there was such death and destruction in the city that they were fleeing, but it still had a hold on her. And it pulled her. I believe literally what the Bible says. I believe she was turned into a pillar of salt when she turned around. But there's something that is symbiotic around that understanding. Because there was a saying in those days that they would, someone would turn to a pillar of salt when they would weep themselves to death. When they would cry themselves to death. They'd actually die of a broken hearted over something that they lost. And it was said to do that. And I think sometimes here we are in church, God's moving, God's doing. We've got to give thanks to God, do this and do this and be involved here and be there. And we've got this pull of the world. So I want to do that. That's, that's like fun. That, I'm going to go over here. And, and, and it has a hold on us. But the kingdom view is a power that breaks that hold. And that's what Jesus is talking about, that, that where we don't cling to the old. Halloween's coming up, fun. Do your candy, do your things. I'll, I'll be participating in it. You know, it's all, it's all good. But I, I thought about that as well, that it's easy to get mixed up with the, uh, and easy to cross over into uh, fearing the darkness. There's a real power that's there. There's a real darkness that's out there. And it has hold of so many people. And, and, and I, was, I was thinking about that and, and that darkness and how we need to stand in God's power. You realize the very first letter in the New Testament, the very first thing that was written was 1 Thessalonians. That's the, Paul wrote it, probably before the first gospel, which would have been Mark, which would have happened a little bit after, years after that. The very first thing written (laughs) that we have in our Bible is 1 Thessalonians, which makes me think, hmm, if it's the first thing written, what did, what what did Paul say? What was, what was there? This Church at Thessalonica, oh my goodness, persecuted, uh, I mean, physically, every way, <laughs> as well as it was sin city. It made Nevada <laughs> uh, or Las Vegas, whatever, look, look, look like a, f- a family resort. It just, it, it, it was really, really bad with uh, temple prostitution and just the, the, Sort of makes, makes us think of our world now. But it's just, it, was, it was everywhere. And so this is what Paul wrote. This is what my point is. This is what Paul wrote. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with it? He said, this is how you must live. First, holiness. You got to put that, you got to let go of that. I know that's fun. I know that that's a pleasing to, the, to our carnal minds and things. But you got to let go of that. We can't live that way. Can't live that way. Secondly, love one another. Love one another care for one another. This is how we live. This is how we overcome the world with the Spirit of God inside of us. We live holy. 
Every, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. That just means I'm going the right way. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying I'm not going that way because I know that's where that is. I'm going to go this way. We live holy. We love one another. We care for one another. We believe in one another. Uh, and, and then third, he speaks specifically about the power of God and that the last days are coming. He talks in the very first letter. <laughs> he goes eschatology on them <laughs> because he says you got to understand God's going to work it all out. God's going to take care of it. In fact, in the middle of, of that whole part, he, he says the world says peace and security, which was a total joke that we miss. Because that's what the Romans would say as they came in and wiped everybody out. <laughs> Peace and security. We're going to bring order to this disorder. You know, and it sounds like some communist countries out there. That's what, you know, that's what they were doing. So Paul makes a joke and says, yeah, the world says peace and security, but it's not peaceful and there's no security whatsoever. That's only found in Christ. That's only found in the power of God. That's only found in the kingdom of God. Of God and what God is able to do. In fact, Ephesians, Paul writes in chapter 3, he says, Now to him who is able immeasurably to do more than all that we imagine or ask. I don't know about you, but that's up there. Because I can think of some crazy stuff that I'm praying for you, that I'm praying for this church, that I'm praying for your life, that I'm praying in your finances, that I'm praying in your family. God can do so much more than all of these things according to what? The power of that is in us, the power that is in us. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is now, and the kingdom of God is working inside of every one of us. The power to overcome every single attack that happens, that God is able to bring. In the early church, Philip brings the gospel to Samaria. And when he does, he runs into a sorcerer. And he... he this Philip, or this Simon the sorcerer, is convinced everyone to follow him. And he does magic. He does power. He does, he does all these amazing things. He does these things that, that draws everyone to him and, and, and such. And so here comes Philip. And then Philip is preaching the gospel. <laughs> preaching the gospel and the, and the power of, of gospel. Uh, and it, all of a sudden, everyone gives up on the, the magic and the power because there was power in the kingdom of God. And something in that just makes me, my spirit just leap and jump and thinks, God, I want that power. I want the power that's in the power of the kingdom of God, the power to change lives around us, the power to make a difference. I want that kind of power. I, I believe that's what God's trying to uh, speak to us and wants to do and help us understand in our life. Let me just end with this last verse in Revelation, if we just skip to uh, Revelation. Because I, I, I love the way it does. Look, look what it says. It says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Heard a loud voice in heaven. Hey, if you think church is too loud and you don't like the drums playing loud, you know, whatever, you don't like the music being loud like that, get used to it because it's going to be eternally loud. It's, oh, heaven's always saying, man, it was loud. It was loud. Oh, anyway, just, just a little side note. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power. Do you see how, how power is always connected to salvation? That, that 
our life in the, the kingdom of God that we live is not just about just feeling good or just being together or just hanging out. It's a power that changes who we are, how we think, how we behave. The power of the kingdom of God. So it's salvation, it's power, and the kingdom of God. Man, we need to grab a hold of that. We need to understand that. This is who we are. The power of the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Nah, you get all kinds of people talking about eschatology, but when that hurled down was, but I believe when Jesus said, I saw Satan fall. I saw Satan fall. I think it was then, because Christ, that was the breaking of the kingdom of God in a greater form than we've ever known. And it's so easy to give in to that accuser that says, you can't do it. You're not strong enough. You're not going to happen. The accuser speaks, and he, he throws things at us and does all that. That enemy has been destroyed. That enemy has been destroyed. You see, our president talks about Armageddon, and I get what he means, but the world has totally corrupted that, that, that word because we see Armageddon as a total destruction of everything. Everybody's wiped out, nothing like that. But, you know, that's not what the Bible meant by it. When the Bible uses Armageddon, you know what it means? We win, they lose. <laughs> it's a good thing for us. Christ is going to come back, and we win. <laughs> the power of God is alive and real in our life. We win. We win every single time. And so it's not a, oh, no, I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't care what happens. Drop the bomb, do whatever. God is good. God's power is here. God's grace is here. The kingdom of God is going to continue until the end. And in the end, having given everything away, we're going to stand there, and we're going to be the ones to gain life for eternally. Don't allow the enemy to come in and start throwing things and accusing you. Just say, it doesn't mean you're perfect, because he'll always put a grain of truth when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he always had a grain of truth or scripture that he used that he then twisted and turned. And don't let him do that. But we say, you know what? I've given my life to Christ. I'm going to trust in God. God's power is real. Amen? You receive the word this morning. Come on. Father, allow your grace and your power to just move over this place right now. God, your power is the power of the gospel, the power of the kingdom of God that changes us right now, right here. And God, there are real right now issues and problems and things that are going on, even sin in, in, in our lives. God, that God, we need to surrender. We need to give up and say, I am not going to be pulled to the world. I am not going to be those that are drawn back. I'm going to be those that trust God and trust his power. And God, I pray for every single person here right now or that's within the sound of my voice that does not know you. God, touch their heart. Let them see the grace and the love and the forgiveness that's there. God, stir them to a greater understanding of who you are. That they surrender their life. God, I do it afresh and anew. I give you my heart. We all stand before you and say, Lord, we trust you. Move in our lives, move in our hearts. God, we will not give an ear as we look <laughs> through those pillow windows, trusting you, looking up for all that you're doing in our lives. And we give you thanks for that. In the name of Jesus, amen.